I have started the record. Tight. <laughs> Taking down the dolphin, bud. Alright. You wanna... Here, you go on that chair, because then you'll be, like, on both sides of me. the most production that I've put into this. Nice. <laughs> Look, there's you. That's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <coughs> that one. That one. Also that one. Yeah. That's a camera. You. There. That's a camera. How you doing? These are cameras. These two are cameras. This is recording everything. I sold this one to the government. <laughs> to the birds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The birds sold that. Bunch of dicks. Fuck. Birds. Fucking birds. What's man. new, bud? <sighs> um, somebody stole a plant from the planter out in front of the building last night. I showed you the video earlier. He did. I was sitting in my car, I was watching YouTube videos, and I look up, and our neighbor is scooping plants out of our planter, and I just roll my window down, and I go, yo, are you taking plants out of our planter? <laughs> and she just goes, and she scurries into the building, into next door, and I called the landlord, and I said, Yo, our neighbor just stole plants out of our planter like 10 seconds ago. You can watch it on the security camera. And he, he got the clip for us. So insert clip here. You didn't here. tell me the ending. Did she return the plant? No, we never caught her. Oh, wait. How didn't you get her, though? Didn't you go to her house? She lives right there? Um, or is that not where I she mean, lives? No, it's like a it's like a building with like art studios. Oh. So she stole she stole the plant, scurried away, and then my landlord found the footage so Dead. if we we know who she is like i don't know her <laughs> name but we see her all the time so next time i see her it's like you can't run from us like we live here you know <laughs> i'm a backup record on these things. yeah make sure these it's are cool because they backup recording they record backup internally i i love this new technology you know every every once in a while there's a piece of video production technology that i'm like we needed that. These are the shit. Yeah. And then you've got and you've got the microphone input too. So yeah. So I'd use we, the nicer lobs when I need to the hide nice, them. The tiny lobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm into it. Tell me about 32-bit audio. I <laughs> am a fan of it. <laughs> yeah. Because you can use 24-bit audio now to just turn your gain way down and then just turn it up in post. But with 32-bit audio it's virtually impossible to clip. So you just don't set gain on 32-bit audio. Goodbye, you just... Adobe Audition. Yeah, see ya. I think it's a good technology. It's um, the new the, the new Rhodes mm -hmm. have the 32-bit. They have bit. that? Yeah. Oh, okay, so these definitely don't. They are not the, yeah, thanks, bud. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> for that one. <laughs> yeah, these aren't those ones. That sounds cool, though. I'd like to... Like so, what's the SM7B? What's that in terms of the microphone? Yeah, is that just like SM7B? Is, is that, that like how they? Is that the one that 
it's, it's like a the, condenser the pod like third... the podcast mic you know what i mean that like it's the one that it's it's like the cylindrical one yeah, yeah, with yeah. the big the really pop good, filter yeah, they're really good looking sure yeah i think it sounds very <clears throat> very similar to the sm58 i have a beta 58 over there yeah it's like it's like if you didn't have them directly next to each other like one ear you would know yeah the 58 and the seven yeah seven if you eight. listen to them side by side it's like all right one's more yeah. condensed and nicer a little bit but like fuck it it's it's super marginal like most really people is. i when i ab tested it from a youtube video i couldn't tell the difference mm. i would only get that if you <clears throat> are gonna have it always mounted onto a stand and not handling it the 50 the 58 the sm58 classic one yeah um has better handling noise than the than that one so that that would be the reason that you'd want to buy it if it was always on a tripod oh. but this is my favorite microphone right mm -hmm. now it's the 58 beta 58a uh so really good handling noise just like the sm58 but it's got a um more hardened um grill here so mm -hmm. if you drop it a bunch it's not going to dent. Yeah, yeah. The 58s, they dent really easy. Mm. But that's not the main feature. The main feature is it's got a stronger magnet in here than the regular SM58. So it's more sensitive. Uh, you can get crisper highs with the Beta 58. And that I could tell can you from an A-B test. Can you explain magnets and microphones for us audio laymans? Yeah, there's a, a <coughs> magnet in here. Uh, and your breath moves the magnet, or it moves um, the diaphragm, and the magnet picks up the movement of the diaphragm. Interesting. So the stronger magnet can oh. pick up more delicate sounds, more like that kind of stuff. And huh. yeah, I, it's not plugged in, so you can't hear it. But if you, I know all microphones work. They yeah, they have like a little diaphragm a little thing that moves, vibration. and then a magnet that picks it up. That's how it um, picks up the vibration. Ribbon mics are a little different. Don't ask me how they work, but yeah, uh, condenser mics and, and uh, dynamic mics just have a little thing that moves and then a magnet that picks up that movement. Sick. That's how it works. But yes, yeah, Beta 58A, I like better for that reason. <clears throat> also, it's a different uh, pickup pattern, so it's going to have um, stronger focus on what you point it directly at, so you have to have it like right on axis to get the best pickup mm. um, and then the feedback is actually uh, protected most from the diagonals so so like from down here and down here it's going to pick up the least okay so you would want your stage monitors if you have stage monitors yeah to be pointed diagonally instead of straight on mm -hmm. if you're using a regular 58 sm58 you want the the um monitors like this oh so this is my favorite mic um i was very inspired by the song freedom by rage against the machine okay to just lock myself into using this for recording and is that what they used for that song i don't know if they used it for this song but they definitely used the handheld uh dynamic microphone or just the dynamic microphone on like a tripod for that recording because you huh. can hear him moving off access yeah yeah and i like using microphones as an instrument mm -hmm. and less about just trying to like make it pristine and perfect and pick up 
like, you know, a kind of a super transparent yeah. signal. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want to like put this in my hand and like use it as an instrument. And, you know, if it gets handling noise, then that's part of the performance. If it gets me moving off axis, that's part of the performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like doing that. Yeah. And also I heard Bono from uh, U2 fame also uses a regular SM58 for his studio recordings, hmm. which is, a, I thought, interesting because U2 is kind of known for more pristine audio. I don't know if he's always done that or if it's changed over the years, mm-hmm. but I heard that. Um, I fact do, check me. I do like that. Yeah. Like yelling yeah. past the mic. Yeah. yeah. yeah that kind of thing. Yeah. It's cool and you can do it right. Yeah. Pink Floyd does that nice. Yeah. I also like uh, kind of like walking around and exploring the space when I record mm. vocals and perform like pretending like i'm on stage also when people then <clears throat> finally hear you on stage then it sounds the same as the recording yeah so they're like they're like this is exactly like i remember it to be yeah but uh i don't know there's plenty of benefits of using really nice condenser microphones or ribbon mics if you like the if you like the classic sound bunch of noise for no reason <laughs> it's all the performance <laughs> not recording audio or anything so uh what's yeah. what's been new with you since uh the last time i saw you we were skating a half pipe together uh last time i saw you mike's half pipe oh shit yeah you're right that was true yeah came out to the vert ramp that wasn't no that wasn't oh. handle that vert ramp you don't skate much vert do you no i was terrified but when i when i got back to substance the substance half pipe yeah it was much less scary hell yeah i was able to just drop in and be like okay i just did this last week i can drop into this that's one of the things i tell like people that are learning i'm like no it's not that like i'm crazy it's like that your vision literally changes as you get better and ramps just appear smaller they appear smaller it's like oh okay still super dangerous but yeah it still feels the same when you fall and ow (laughs) yeah no, it doesn't. You learn to fall, too. You learn to not just totally eat shit every That's single true. time. Who was the famous um, famous X Games clip oh, that he yeah, fell yeah, straight yeah, to yeah, flat yeah. from, like, 11 meters or I something? F- I forget who that was, but that shit was fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he broke his back. Did he really? Yeah, he broke himself off, for sure. I thought I, I know when he was back at the X Games the next year. Just That's to happened make... a couple times. The fall, just falling straight to flat. Yeah, falling sure. close to flat. Guy, I I don't know like how many. It's definitely there's definitely like two or three like significant clips of that happening. But yeah, I know. I wish I could. Uh, I don't remember who that was. Whatever, but Bobby yeah. something. No. And I'm sure Bob. We're probably thinking of Bob Burnquist, who's like the was it guy, Bob Burnquist? But I, I'm sure he's eaten total shit on vert. I've seen him. I mean, he's the man. Yeah, like he's done it all on the vert. But, no, I don't think it was him. Who was that? Let's look it up. Okay. Let's look it up. We have these handy-dandy cell phones. We do. I'll just do a quick huge vert. No, wait. Mega ramp. Slam. Slam. (laughs) Too flat. Jake Brown's. Okay. Jake Brown. uh... When he came back the next year, he was definitely walking with a cane. But they just had him walk onto the ramp and just wave at the crowd. Jesus Christ. But he was 
definitely walking with a cane. Yeah, I'd kind of want to go into Jake Brown, The Aftermath. Hmm. Yeah, it was a good video. He the... fell 45 feet. Ooh. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Wow. I've, I've done some slams to flat, but on mini ramps, not on I slammed pipes. a flat on Mac Mike's bird ramp before. Oh, have you really? Oh, yeah. Damn. That felt good. <laughs> <laughs> you walked to the top of one of the jumps in this crowd. Oh, yeah, that's the last thing. I can't wait to come back. Yeah. Jake Brown. He walked away from that. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Probably shouldn't have walked. No. <laughs> um, Stunts. Yeah. Skating a little bit more. Um, Got a fun week coming up. I met like an in-house photographer video for uh, this aerial acrobatics company. The girls that do like silk spinning and the Lyra... Sure. You know, all the... I started learning some aerial silk. Really? Yeah. No way! At Brooklyn Zoo. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was very... Is, how, um, it's probably, like, really, really difficult. I was no? very... Yeah, it's definitely... If you've never done it before and you don't know how to do pull-ups, which, oh, I, yeah. which I can't do pull-ups. Oh, you can't do pull-ups? Skinny dolphin arms. Yeah, no, so, then no. aerial tricks. Um, Dude, those girls are fucking ripped. They are really good, yeah. Um, but... Uh, I watched the the video of Creed performing uh, at a football game on Thanksgiving in 2001. And they had aerial silk performers flown in. So That's imagine, crazy. Imagine a stadium, right? Big stadium. And they just like, they're coming out, but they're on silks. So they have them on like toe lines just co- coming in on the aerial silks. Bro, that is yeah. insane. And they were, so it was two guys, both shaved heads, ripped, just shredded. Yeah, they're always shredded every single And time. one had blue parachute pants and one had red parachute pants. So they contrasted each other perfectly. <laughs> they're like the, the aerial twins. And uh, it was sick. It was one of my favorite. It's not a, a very complex aerial silk performance that they did. Yeah. But it was definitely a stunt. Yeah. And I loved every second of it. And then Creed. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take me higher? Oh, that's flying. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, watch that video. It's become a meme now. You kind of have to watch it on Thanksgiving every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at that. <laughs> um, and they have a children's choir, and there's lots of choreography. There's marching band. You know, it's one of those big stadium performances. Um, it's probably all set to a track. They're they're probably lip syncing because it's really Wait, hard so to how, perform how do I find live this video? stadiums. Creed Thanksgiving. Oh, Creed Thanksgiving performance. Yeah. Halftime spectacular. Yeah. Oh, I think I've seen this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'll show you audience in a second yeah. <laughs> do you see them <laughs> yeah you yeah, motherfuckers oh it's the best that's awesome <laughs> yeah just get a good get it back 
get in there. Love it. Yeah, that's so that's what they do. That's what they do. So you're <laughs> filming aerial soap performers. Yeah. So maybe you'll come across these guys one day. Yeah, maybe we'll be stoked and they'll be like, yo, you guys are the Creed guys. And yeah. Be like, <laughs> we are. <laughs> I wonder where they are now. I really, I was thinking about this yesterday. Where are those, those aerial soap performers? You think there's someone's job that holds a fan to their hair at all times? The so who, what, rock stars? Fucking sick. No, they're just those two dudes. They don't have hair. Those guys? Oh. Yeah, they're shaved I was looking at that. Sorry, I was just... I just want them to have hair so bad. I think it's kind of great that they don't I have hair. And instead they off. have... Um, yeah, the silk is it's like... Just like I wanted it to hair. be hair. Yeah. Um, but they have the parachute pants, which yeah. is great. The, yeah. those, so the pants look flowy. So is there someone with the fan on the pants? <laughs> yeah. All times. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're flying through the air, so... You think you need a college degree for that? To hold the fan? Probably these days. I'm sure that there's a lot of PAs that are made to hold fans on set that have college degrees. You want to start a university? (laughs) (laughs) I I think that uh, PAs should, you know, there should be like a, like a, field a field of study specifically for pas so that you can jump in wherever you're needed uh on a set yeah but you know in instead of instead of taking those roles that are so segmented Mm -hmm. and saying you should study seriously but study seriously a little bit of everything yeah they're like nah you're just gonna get paid like shit I think that people who are meant to have kind of like SWAT team roles should get paid just as much as everybody else, mm-hmm. but with the expectation that you get really good at that. Yeah. I have been hired as a PA and ended up pulling focus. Yeah. And so it's like, and like being, because the uh, um, V2 was just tied down, like he was needed elsewhere. And it was just yeah. like, that's, we need that done. But they kicked me back a couple bucks, but yeah. I know I know for a fact I wasn't making what the V two made. Yep. And he was supposed to be doing what I did. I've I've worked at um companies when I was still working like full time day jobs that I was like, This company needs like a SWAT team that can mm-hmm. go and take care of projects that have been like on the uh backlog for too long. And they should know a little bit of everything. And, you know, there should be a place for people who like doing those kind of roles without demeaning them and paying them less because they just like doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's like the one thing that's been really weird. Like a couple of times when we worked for light action, Mm -hmm. like whenever we work for light action sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Milos. Hi, Milos. (laughs) Um... I felt a little bit weird, like, because I was just hired as the V1, and it was kind of like, they needed someone hired as a V1, cool, so I yeah. got the role, and a couple times I walked on site, and everything set, and you know, the time that you did it the day before me, I walked on, and you had done, you go, yeah, you just turn it on, <laughs> I was like, know. what? And then sometimes I feel bad, that's, eight, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's video my job, and homies like Kunil, I know, might not be getting paid the same rate. 
Yeah. And especially if they're just hired as a camera op or just hired for XYZ, you know, whatever. And I'm like, that motherfucker takes time to tape down cables. Like, yeah, I just Cuneo's walked in. passionate. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I just walked into a shit, flipped the switch. Here we go. And I, uh, so production's funny like that. But yeah, I, I agree where, uh, yeah, if you're. It's, playing, it's hard to quantify it like, is. The, the value of those roles, which is why they've been relegated to entry level so often. But yeah. I don't think we should do that. I think, you know. You can you can see the value that people bring if you have more conversations with them. You can find Absolutely. out like what what did you do today? What did you do for this show, this gig? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just like talk to people more. Yeah, yeah, and also, I mean, this is just a human condition, but people are gonna be way more happy to tell you what you wanna not tell you what you wanna hear, but give you the information that's relevant if they feel like they're getting taken care of. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean because they know next time they're going to be taken care of and the yeah. next time sure and it's like okay if if i don't feel like i'm getting taken care of i don't know a yeah. lot of the times it's like wait it's not like i don't want to work hard i'll work hard while i'm there but as of incentive to you know if someone's asking me oh what happened yeah you know to actually go into detail and explain to them what we could do better for next time more versus just like, ah, you know, fucking accidents happen, man. <laughs> yeah. See you next time, whatever. But We've definitely worked with people who are so burnt out on it all or, you know, maybe they just came in burnt out on something, on, on life and are in the mode of, huh, I've never experienced this problem before. I give up. Yeah. Yes, I won't say the company name. Uh, yeah, but they, they they sent a person onto one of our onto one of our shows. But uh, yeah, so we were we have well, we can talk about Brickworks. Oh well, yeah, we love Brickworks. Yeah, we love Brick- Brickworks. I don't know. What it, yeah, I, know what I brought like. I brought you in for the Brickworks uh, shows, and because uh, they were one of my favorite uh, clients. We love working with them. The team there in New York City is the, all the people there are so nice so and nice. so friendly and accommodating, and they listen to us when we, you know, you you actually told them like, like, hey, we should really get some in house cards storage. Yet yeah. yeah. you said we story, we need yeah. uh, just like media storage mm-hmm. because we film so much for them. Yeah, and uh, that's something I have to um, uh, work on before the next show because. Yeah. Basically, they were like, they're like, oh, you really think so? In your professional opinion? Okay, good. We're, we're yeah. good with that. Yeah. And just send us like what we should buy for our venue, and we'll buy it, and then we'll have storage at the venue. So like that, you recommended that. I was just busy thinking about other things, and you were, you'd put it in the show notes. You were yeah. like... I think it works, though, because we're two... They're a company that goes the extra mile. They do. We're yeah. people that go the extra mile. So it's like they trust us because of that. And then we can bring suggestions like that to them. They're open to hearing that. Yeah. You know, and it's just nice. Yeah, definitely. They're the best. Um, But Brickworks, we do lots of video. Sometimes very, very simple video. Simple videos. And... But it's, you know, it's mission critical. They got to... Oh, it is. 100%. Simple doesn't mean not important. All the people that they work with, they, you know, they're really passionate about media and, you know, their architecture firm. So... Yeah. 
like detail is in the business. Yeah, I would say they do a really good job of keeping themselves on brand, even down to the way that their pictures are color graded and all like the buildings aesthetics and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty impressive to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, uh, company from he who shall not be named. <laughs> uh, we were doing an easy little shoot, and uh, I wasn't. I was just monitoring the audio, and right as they go up, audio kind of like cut, or I don't know exactly when it was, if I if it happened earlier, and then I couldn't tell because no one was at the mics, um, but I wasn't hearing anything, and this dude was, you know, at least like... You asked him, <clears throat> what's, did you check the mics, and he said, no. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he would... So you, you, I hired you for that one. I wasn't on site for that. Um, I brought you in I as gave you show notes. This is how you know camera op. Yeah, yes, yeah. you gave me the show notes. And you, so you basically just had to make sure that you were getting the recording on the camera. Yep. And there should have been another backup record on the console because that console can just record to a hard drive. Mm. Uh, but... This, some other company sent a guy on site who walked up to that audio console, didn't check the mics, and then when it was like ready to go, you were so used to working with our guy Sloki. Yes, who's just incredibly articulate. Yep. That you were like, okay, like everything should be ready. And then you're like, wait, I'm not getting audio. Guy said, I didn't check the mics. And you, that's mine. I was like, wait. You, what do you mean you didn't check the mics? Yeah, no, nah, we, so we did, like, he turned them on and did, like, the tap test yeah. before, and they had asked for a change, and that's when he hadn't checked them. Oh, he didn't check time. it after it so, changed. So, yeah, we hadn't okay. checked them a second time, and it was just, like, it was just, like, a lazy assumption by him to not go and check it a second time, right? right. I forget what exactly changed, but. So you lost the audio. So didn't have audio coming in but this is why we solidify brickworks as a client and this is why you always go above and beyond no matter what because one i knew this gig was important to dolphin so i'm sitting there freaking out here's my little side point when it's important and like something's happening you know when the problem goes down i at least want you to act like you give a fuck yeah even if in your back of your head you don't and even if like whatever like and even if you don't really know what you're doing to fix the solution like let's at least try some shit yeah like i hate when, like he, this man literally gave up gave up and when i was list i just i couldn't believe that he was sitting there while this panel is going on knowing that he just didn't do his fucking job and he's just gonna sit back and relax it's like how you even have the capacity to relax right now yeah well you know what i mean it's That's, like you i'm way too anxious uh, so that would that blew my mind that he just Gave didn't up. care. I couldn't yeah. believe he would. Someone would just in that position. Like it really. Like he gave up. Like yeah. that was the bottom line. It was like what just like, happened. Keeping calm is one thing. Yeah, you'd have to stay calm. Yeah, because if you are reacting super emotionally, yeah, it makes it worse. I mean, you know, of all people, I react emotionally. Yes, <laughs> and so I can't say X, Y, or Z about other people doing that, but. I don't fucking give up on shit. You don't give up. You're I will at least try to hammer fix that it. bitch home until yeah. I figure it out. I've seen people. I apologize who... if I freak you out while I'm doing it, but it'll get done. Yeah, you'll get better at it over time. <clears throat> yeah, it's, I know. you know, I've I've been in the industry a, a little bit longer than you, but 
you know, you figure out how to put it all into context. It's just going to make your life, anybody who's like in a, uh, in a, in a job, in an industry that, um, requires like humans to be present and actively working on something mission critical stuff, mm. whether you're an airline pilot or in AV or in emergency response, uh, those types of roles, you figure out how to balance the emotions with and the and the anxiety and the emotional responses to things with uh, the the checklists, like all the troubleshooting checklists that you need to do to accomplish a difficult task. Yeah. So, you know, you'll you figure out tricks and uh, how you personally can move forward in a sustainable way i'm stronger than ever in that capacity i've always been looking for ways to improve that yeah and i can be i can emotionally detach from the task and keep forward momentum on troubleshooting yeah i've watched that problems live and it's pretty fucking cool you you have helped me actually in that realm because of the um the Mason Maxim. The Mason Maxim. The Mason Maxim. Yeah. The Mason Maxim is... So here's a really good production tip. If you ever need to do crowd control on your client, <laughs> you just tell them that we're ready. We just need like five or ten more minutes. Yeah. Well, you the Mason <laughs> Maxim specifically, without any set-in-stone time buffer, is don't worry, we already figured it out. We're just waiting. That's that, yeah. That's, that's the Mason. That's what I said to Madison like four times that day when we were trying to figure out the TriCaster. Which was the case because it's not when you say that you're not lying. I'm it's, like half telling the you truth. Know, which is what you know, you know the doing. checklist. Like <laughs> if a thing if a thing goes wrong, and you have been in the field for a little bit of time. You can kind of imagine like all the different points that things can go wrong, even yeah. if you don't know the gear specific, like a specific piece of gear super well, yep. or you're just like a little shabby on it. Mm. You haven't been on it recently. Yeah, you know a bajillion things that you can try to get it to work. So you really, in the in the what? scheme of things, have you know what's wrong. You just have to get through all of the checklist items. Yeah. So I was just trying to buy Dolphin time while he ran through all the checklist of things that could happen Yeah. by repeating the phrase, we're ready. Or wait, we already had to figure it out. <laughs> he we knows it better than I do. We figured it out. We're just waiting. <laughs> it's good. It works a and lot. We, and we did literally, it was like I had made a quick... The problem that had happened was um, we weren't seeing a NDI feed where we needed to see it. And we were doing a broadcast. Broadcast. It was the yearly investors meeting right. um, to the an entire publicly traded company's yeah. investors. Yes. So a little bit They're, of a big dizzle. Yes. Got and it done just a couple minutes before go time. Before go <laughs> But we got, yeah. But you went. We went. It was go time and we were ready. But yeah, the the... The thing that solved that specific problem was the switch was the switch that we were using. The network switch was a managed switch, and we were just supposed to be in a dedicated port 
but this was like an installed in-venue switch that had had a lot of issues because of um, a uh, an emergency that they had in the venue where there was a leak and there was water and they had to take all the gear out oh, and then reinstall yeah, yeah, yeah. the gear. And the ports were just all messed up. And I did not realize, I thought it was like an unmanaged switch that I could just plug into anything. And then, but I, in the back of my head and in that checklist item was try other ports, but it was lower <laughs> on the priority list because yeah. I thought it was unmanaged. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you had a, was that Mike on the phone? Yeah. So we had so uh, Mike our good got friend on the phone. to tie this full circle. <laughs> Mike, I just did Mike, episode yeah. four. Well, we just went to Mike's half pipe, the half pipe. We we're talking about the vert ramp Yeah. and he was episode four. Yep. I saw you had him on the podcast. So go listen to that if you want more production shit. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so we were FaceTiming Mike at the Brickwork studio. Mike's great with the TriCaster and, and troubleshooting just random equipment. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. And, uh. He gave yeah. me some checklist items to go through. Yep. It turns out that I had already gone through all of them, but it was nice for him to help me confirm that I was looking at the right things. Yeah, it was nice. He put on his glasses um, and was like, "Yeah, okay, show me." He was me. looking at the FaceTime, <laughs> yeah. And he was, and I was like, "Yeah, I tried that. I tried that. I tried that." He's and I was man. like, "Okay, Mike, um, I've got a few more checklist items to try, um, but thank you for for you know giving me some confidence here yeah. in in fixing this." And then as soon as I hang, hung up the phone with him, I just went to try different ports on the network switch. And I was like, <laughs> all right, now we're ready. Now we're ready. We figured it out. <laughs> now we're ready. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> I love Madison so much. She, she's just great to work with. I know. She's super cool. Mm-hmm. That was funny. She like totally came out of her shell at that other one. Yeah, we got a. She had the EDM music going the day before. Oh yeah, when we, <laughs> when we were doing the walkthrough. Yeah, she had the EDM music playing. On I'm the, like, oh, on the Kat, radio. Cat Loto's got the playlist up. She's like, yeah. nah, it's mine. I'm like, hell yeah. Madison, Madison was going to see a show that she was very excited about. It was a Stutterhouse DJ at Elsewhere. Yeah. And you could probably Do you remember who that who artist that was. No, I couldn't no, remember. But she but was playing Madison that was day. very excited for the Stutterhouse DJ. They were good. That real heavy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, it wasn't. It was definitely if you liked Stutterhouse, that was a show for you. But yeah. if you wanted to see like impressive DJing, not the show for you. No, I just wanted because to I saw on Reddit after <laughs> Madison had seen the show that people were like, "Yo, he was so bad at at mixing though. Like he, <laughs> it was bad mixing, but it was good Stutterhouse." Yeah, and I. Asked Madison, Madison was like, I had so much fun. And I was like, what do you think about this Reddit post? And Madison was like, oh, I agree. But I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What else? Classic. I want to know what art is inspiring you right now. Ooh. Remember that guy, Cosmodernism? I think so. That I sent you on Instagram. The he, VJ? Well, he set, yeah, but he set up his whole studio with the crystals and the lasers yeah, and shit. He does uh, 
So he does in, like in-camera VJing. In-camera VJing, but he does organic material. Um, sure. Like <clears throat> I, IRL objects processed yes. through a camera. Exactly. Light, IRL light sources and objects. Yeah, so, but it's cool because he takes um, just different, so water like, you know, oil will sit in water and separate. So he'll take chemicals that will and different substances that will do that with each other. And then he'll fill those different substances with like iron fillings or like different magnetic, you know, things. And then drag it around with a magnet or use yeah. different sources of like, you know, 15 small different little magnets. And it'll all go like and make all the patterns with the 15, right? And then he, you know, moves those around and he does a lot of cool shit with just lasers, liquids, and definitely look him up. He's probably doing some of the coolest in real life um, visuals right now. Yeah. I, I personally love <clears throat> taking it out of the box. Yeah. Taking for digital art, trying to find a way to take the digital art, put it out into the real world. Yeah. And then recapture it with a camera or some other sort of sensor. Yeah. Take it outside of the box. I was uh, stoked on the project that I finished this summer with the kid Griffin that I'm working a lot with, mm -hmm. far as mine. Um, so I did a, a macro, like, you know, the little train villages? Yeah. So our friend Bobby... Oh, you showed me the clips of this. Yeah, so Bobby Rothschild, episode three, or one, or whichever. Um so Bobby's an art collector, but he's a collector of many like fascinating trinkets and artifacts and things. And he every year sets up an immaculate train village or Christmas village. And it's like two stories on these tables and all built up and like his like we hit this dude um a couple of uh Bobby's friends actually built like this little custom table that we stack together and you know whatever for the trains. It's got like 70 houses on the fucking thing you know like 10 fifth like trains flying around the track at one time and they're all like the nice metal ones the nice models and all yeah. the houses move all the houses have like all those little things so what i did is i took these little oh actually <laughs> i'll tell you the whole story <clears throat> of the shoot so i was living at bobby's house right and i was living with danny with Danny. Um, so Danny's Bobby's son. Ah. My friend from skating. Dan okay. And so uh, Danny's a lot younger than me, but we've been friends for a long time just through skateboarding. And I hit like a rough time, just like didn't really have a spot to go immediately. And Danny was like, just come live in the basement. It's all fucking good. And it was great. Um, they got a sauna in the basement. And they got a fucking nice. kitchen down there. So I was like, Comfortable set. space, yeah. Straight set. There was an Andy Warhol silk print in my room, so no, no uh, shortage of good art to look at either. And so, super stoked being there. And I was there for a like few months, but like a month in, while we were setting up this train village, um, I'm like, I, I really wanted to film a video for Bobby for either Christmas or his birthday or something and like use the train village as like a thank you for letting me stay there make it an art piece like an art piece like make a cut like a real art piece from scratch yeah. for him 
with cinnamon. And so one night I took a nice little fat eighth of mushrooms <laughs> and I was just like in Danny's basement <clears throat> and I was going through like a hard thing mentally, worked through it, all good, listening to some nice music and then I just got this like burst of energy. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm going to shoot that thing right, right now. now. <laughs> and just like, it was like, and I just <laughs> like erected off the floor and uh, grabbed all my camera shit and just like a psychopath. Danny was upstairs just making, Bobby wasn't home. He was somewhere on a trip for like three or four days. And it was just me and Danny. So we were just like booling out um, and just like enjoying. <clears throat> and... Danny's upstairs making some food, and I just come upstairs with my speaker, just like, like just techno, just ready to fucking rip all my camera gear. And he just walks me like watch walk by the doorway. He's like, "What you doing there, bud?" I'm like, "Yeah, don't worry about it." <laughs> so used my five, uh, my Tamron one hundred fifty to five hundred millimeter lens it's got a nice macro setting on it um and didn't have a story in mind just started shooting and while i was shooting some of like the moving parts in the train <clears throat> i broke one of the houses because <laughs> i tried to use my drone to fly over the village uh, and it was just too windy business it was just too windy it was fine but, like, I was blowing over the little trees. So I was like, okay, this looks, like, and you could just see it clear as day on camera. So I'm like, okay, this is not working. And I'm like, whatever, scratch the idea. But while I'm, like, putting up all the little light posts and characters and shit and bushes and little signs that I knocked over. Because, dude, this village is, like, intricate. There's all these little props and stuff. I fucking knocked one of the houses over and smashed on the floor. I was like, oh, no. no. So I, like... And I'm tripping out mushrooms, so I'm like, oh, God, the house. I'm like, oh. So I run downstairs and, like, put it in my room, and I'm like, oh. But, like, Bobby wouldn't give a fuck, right? Like, he wouldn't care. It, it, like, it's fine, totally. But I'm like, oh, no, the house. And then <laughs> these little characters, like, fell off of it, a guy and a girl. So I was like, I'm like, looking at the characters. I'm like, my characters. <laughs> So I run upstairs with the characters. <laughs> and <clears throat> I'm like, okay, now I have my story. And so basically the first like half an hour, 45 minutes of filming it was just random, like cool, pretty, like B-roll footage doing like a lot of like nice camera movements, like it's really hard to fucking shoot handheld with a 500 the macro <laughs> 500 so like trying yeah. to use my tripod like as much as i could and try and like put stuff on wheels and get like camera movement and all that and uh so then i have my b-roll i'm all stoked because now i have my characters uh -huh. and at the time i was like really into this one girl i'm gonna say her name jess I'll say her last hey, name. Hey, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> She's the shit. Um, but I, obviously it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, whatever, just like thinking of like love stories in my head like at the time. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. But it 
just felt like I was chasing after something that wasn't going to happen. So that's what I made the fucking story. I was yeah. like, yeah, guy's chasing girl around the little village. So that's what the story is. It's like, they, I'm like, okay, the first scene that I shot was like this little bookstore. So I'm like, okay, they'll meet. He'll like, he'll see her at the bookstore. And be like, uh, you know, whatever. So I do uh, some, some shots. And it's funny because I do like cross angle, like with macro. So macro, you see like the yeah. bookstore and then you see him like looking at her and, uh, Whatever, so, you know, she's running around um, the village. And I knew kind of this is w what the story was going to be. And so I started editing this thing and whatever. The end of the story is like, you know, they get together and they buy like a little house because there's this house with like a for sale sign on it. So I put them up and like, oh, that's the ending. And uh, so I'm editing this thing for like a month. Don't know what the fuck to do with it. You showed me Don't a rough cut. Don't know what the fuck I even yeah. did. I'm like, oh yeah, the rough cut was garbage. <laughs> it, was, it had good visuals, but it yeah, had like it was, no direction. It was great, yeah. And like, uh, so I had like again, yeah. So I shot all the stuff. I had great footage, and then I edited really sick, really psychedelic visuals, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and I was happy with what I made, but. The one thing that I couldn't figure out was the song to use. And so I really like the song Past Life by Tame Impala. And do you know that song? No. It's more of like an, it's like half an interlude. Like it's a song, but like yeah. it's real trippy. Sure. And it's just about him. Like I saw a girl the other day in the reflection. I turned around, whatever. And like it was like. Was she really there, or was it from a past life? I forget the lyrics. And so that's the song. It was like, you know, um, I just felt like I was chasing something from the past, you know, in this particular situation. But I wanted the project to be mine. So from the get-go, I had this bad feeling in the back of my head. I was editing this video to the song. It was another good song, Past Life by Selena Gomez. That's fucking sick. And so I was like, oh, man, I'll take the first half of Past Life by Tame Impala and mesh it with the second half of Past Life by Selena Gomez. And so I'm editing this thing. It's like seven minutes, and then it's six minutes, and then it's five minutes, and then now the song doesn't fit. And then I knew from the beginning that I shouldn't even have used songs that I can't copyright anyway because I wanted to own the entire piece of art, and I didn't want it to make it for somebody else or whatever. So then I was like, I was going to use one of your songs. I was going to use Ultra Year, but now that's the intro for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it just didn't work, like, with the story and whatever, until my buddy Griffin, this was like, I didn't even really know, I don't even think I knew Griffin yet. Like, really, I knew this kid from skating, um mutually just you know whatever passing talk sometimes cool didn't know about him and he i met ran into him again at a poetry event at the shout out ali and danny space of balance the poetry events were fucking sick and i met griffin at one of these poetry open mic nights and griffin just went up there and spit i went up there did my thing we immediately were like yo who are you and started talking um <clears throat> and he ran into me again at the stone pony again at Allie and danny's event on new year's that was cool and he was like i have a lot of like work i'd like to do with you 
went over to his house. We started discussing. He's playing his music immediately. It's like fast friends. I'm like, where the fuck have you been all my life? <laughs> you know, it's just like, what the hell happened? So he's playing a couple of these songs. Known Griffin for a couple months at this point. And I'm going through SoundCloud. And this song called Golden, I click on, comes on. And it was just like fucking obvious as day that that was the song to use and then it was like oh wow but griffin wants to work with me anyway so now we can copyright this together and i'll own it like holy shit like this is it like not only did i feel like that was the perfect song but it was the perfect solution to all right the whole the whole problem um so i edited the six minute version down to two and a half minutes and it's the fucking and John Mayer always says that he writes his solos complicated and then takes away notes, takes away notes, takes away notes, takes away notes. Because when you can do the same thing simply, why complicate it? And like, dude, he's got mind-melting solos. So that was my theory with it. Just take anything that wasn't the strongest fucking clip and just shave it away. Because now I had to turn six into two and a half. And the shots that I came out with were just like, that was the core. Like right there, just that section that I came out with it was like holy shit that was the best of it and good like ends right there good i didn't have any more clips in the hopper that were as good as the two and a half minutes that i used you know what i mean the rest of it was just filler for me to try to make an excuse to fit the other song or to fit this story or fit this other bullshit right it was not until i just like fully submitted to the project and was like okay maybe it doesn't have to be the way i thought it was going to be from the beginning um and then i came out with the best fucking thing Edited the whole thing, didn't tell Griffin I was doing it, sent it to him. I was like, I have a surprise for you. And he was just like, I fucking love it. And it was just like, done. And it was just done. Done. Nine months of work. So it was start to finish nine months for a two and a half video, two and a half minute video. And dude, I I like almost started crying when I was done. I was like, holy shit. Because I would show it to people and like they would just give me the reaction that was like, what it should have been and like i knew what i wanted it to be and it just wasn't that and i was like trying to get it before it was ready and uh that process was awesome but that was like art as art gets and just like oh just giving up all of the shit that i thought was important you know to get to that final result and i'm so fucking happy with the way that it turned out and so the uh the little dogma or mantra or whatever at the end is love takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it just, cause it was like, not only do I love the piece, I love everybody involved and who was the, you know, from the thought to now Griffin and like the whole process of all of it just took time, but it was so fucking worth it. So that was my little lesson for that whole project. And what I'm most stoked about. I, I, think, can't, yeah. I can't wait to see it. Is, has it premiered yet? No, we haven't premiered it yet. Nice. Are you going to like put it in a film festival or something? I don't know what we're going to do. I think we're going to do like uh, probably like a premiere of Griffin and like uh, probably stack up a couple videos that we premiere in the same night and then he does like a performance along with them or something like something along those lines. I think that's what he wants to do, but I don't know. We're kind of, um, again, he is such a pure artist that I'm extremely open to like whatever direction that he wants to go. Um, you know, there's a, 
independent uh, film screening space in Brooklyn here called oh, yeah? Millennium Film. Okay. And I've seen uh, performances there. Really? Millennium but, Film? Remember yes. that, Griffin? Millennium Film. Yeah, Millennium <laughs> Film. They Yeah, just a little independent spot, and they do lots of film screenings, and they... You can also just go, they, they'll have like open screening nights. It's like an open mic, but for films. Go That's sick. Throw it up on the... put in my water here buddy boy so during our uh camera battery break i put in essence of passion fruit okay it is on the okay good which was the original vanilla and lavender sorry I, what did you put in my water I fragranced your water with passion fruit vanilla and lavender you sure did Yes, sir. <laughs> so Dolphin put me on to putting essential oils in my water, specifically my seltzers, and it's fucking good. Yeah. Um, screw your chair like a half inch. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're in frame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guess we're locked into that. <laughs> What if I did that as the host? <laughs> I'm like, no, can you put your feet like this? <laughs> Thanks. All right, ready All right. to go. <laughs> Record. <laughs> We're using each other's footrests for the only audio listeners. <laughs> um, Dolphin put me on to putting essential oils in my water, and it's fucking awesome. You don't need to sweeten it at all. You can with a little coconut sugar, which is really good, Ooh. but you don't have to. Yeah. Um, and it's just... I do love coconut nice. sugar because it's got more fiber than not... Than not fiber. Than not sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than not... It's, it's, there's like... There, there's sugar and then there's sugar with fiber in it. So it's yeah. like, all right. Why well, not? Okay. And also makes things taste sure. like coconut, which is fucking dope. Yeah, it's nice. I can't it's go nice, wrong. It's more complex flavor. I like Something it. Something I taste for. I'm a complex than, flavor guy. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. But this is good. But one time I, I went over to your dad's house and you were telling me some stories, some family stories, and you gave me a little, a little uh, roll-on applicator of uh, like a peppermint oil. I did. And I just told you off camera that whenever I'm feeling anxious and I need to center myself, I just roll a little bit on my upper lip just right here. Yeah. So I can... That's the spot. That's it. I can smell something. You can use this too. What's really nice? I should have told you this in the summertime. Is that you can put this on your neck and it'll cool Ooh. you down. Oh, like it really helps. Yeah, but don't put too much, and then it'll burn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Um, my mom, uh, when she so when my mom was alive, she was a health coach uh, for people specifically with chronic pain. So my mom had cancer four times before she ended up passing away uh, a few years back now. Mm -hmm. um, she she passed away of breast cancer, bone cancer, and uh, 
was uh, biliary cancer. Mm. It was a really specific, I think, like the what she had only like five people had ever been diagnosed for by the time, you know, it was all over. But crazy. Um, metastatic breast cancer yeah. originally. And so she was always getting fucked over just by doctors and pain medicines and, you know, everything. She had double mastectomy. Um, so, wait, that's not true. She has single mastectomy, but still, because of that lost muscles in her chest that would give her chronic migraines if she was to use her one side uh, uh. too much, it would just strain all the nerves and it was just no good. Um, so what this stemmed from, <clears throat> uh, is just inflammation. So her whole program and her whole basically mission was to get people with chronic diseases to first look at where their body is inflamed hmm. um, and start there because inflammation is the cause of the root cause of all disease. Um, and it's, it's your body's response to heal. When your body can't heal, that's a disease. Um, <clears throat> so... One thing that really helped my mom, just in terms of little things, um, a lot of it was kind of stopping response triggers that would lead to a lot of these other things for the migraines. So she would, uh, like she just had anxiety and stuff like that. And if she would just get too anxious, stuff obviously would affect everything else. And she would get headaches easily and whatever. But one thing that she found through her many neurological studies, uh, was the, uh, the nice subtle effects, subtle but significant effects of uh, essential oils, which I still love. And she, when she passed away, I took a hilariously big box of essential oils that I love busting out to. Anybody who says they are into essential oils, I'm like, oh, you think you got them all? <laughs> Well, I'm a pokey master of fucking essential oils here. Because <laughs> it really is ridiculous how many there are. But, um, yeah, Dolphin was over. And so I just give it to people that, like, are interested in it. Because she had, she would give away samples she had. So I have, like, those little roll-on balls. I have, like, a hundred of those. So yeah. people are, think it's so funny when I, like, make them their own little essential, essential oil, oil take-home. That's like a glass roll-on. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it was very nice of you. And I'm, uh... I'm glad that you shared stories about your mom and uh, uh, and uh, got a little a little piece of that little piece of that history to take with me and yeah. uh, use to center myself, especially when my mind is uh, too busy. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's just uh, I use the um, I use a couple of like the natural, like citrusy wood, you know, one sometimes oh, yeah. in the morning. I use the breathe one a lot. I'll bring that into the steam room with me. The breathe one's really good. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it does. Like, if you can just sit there and not be like, this is bullshit. Yeah. This is stupid. Like, <laughs> just so go. I was recommended. Like, actually, just get relaxed. Get I was recommended by a anxiety counselor um, who specialized in, like, PTSD. Not mm -hmm. something that I suffer from, but was a very helpful anxiety counselor to step down my senses there's like a name to this technique but you basically start with five things that you can sense in your environment with one of your senses mm -hmm. down to 
like just one thing that you can sense with a sense that you don't think about so often. Usually it's like taste or smell or touch or something, but it's like what's five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you could feel, one thing you could, two things you could taste, one thing you could smell, something like that. Okay. So uh, it's, it's just a nice thing to add, especially when you live in New York City and in an apartment with a bunch of roommates. Uh, there can be uh, a bunch of chaotic smells. <laughs> so it's nice to bring the focus down to like like a, a, a few smells instead of all of the smells. <laughs> so that's what I that's why I like to put a little bit right under my nose so I could just be like center myself there. Your roommate's a big shitter. Oh no. <laughs> Hookline's hook poop is not particularly smelly. Shut up. <laughs> Shout out Hookline. Shout out Hookline. Yeah, he's he's over there getting work done in the studio. He's a music studio right over there. Uh, but like cooking smells, you know, like the kitchen's right outside my bedroom, so like yeah. there'll be yeah. like a ton of like cooking smells and yeah. And uh, if something's happening on the street, then like right so, outside yeah, my yeah, yeah. window, then there's a ton of smells out there. So it's a nice little smell to center myself with peppermint. How nice! How nice! You got curry bathroom oh yeah street oh god forbid somebody starts making seafood we got two kitchens we got a kitchen there and a kitchen there (laughs) and i live right outside of both of them you don't want me to make kimchi right outside your door oh that'll that smells that that is smells i'm gonna keep my olives here is that okay (laughs) with you gonna ferment some olives yeah they're just open top olives (laughs) so i don't know if you're okay with that or not but my my family heritage was uh uh from uh, olive grove making olive oil in italy really in in calabria i mean i forget how uber fucking italian you are not super italian i'm like half you're not i'm half italian (laughs) half american in my heritage okay the american side is just like too far back to be of any big like heritage claim to anything okay uh from a different culture and then but you know one of my grandparents uh was born um he was the first of his siblings to be born in the states and a bunch of his siblings were born in italy Hmm. and then my grandmother's family is a little bit more american they've been here a little bit longer but they're from sicily and my grandfather's family's from Calabria. Yeah. Uh, and they made, my grandfather's family made olive oil huh. in the old country. Interesting. So I love olive oil. <laughs> and I'm waiting on an import of some Novello oil. So Novello is like the freshest of, of olive oils. Mm-hmm. Right when they harvest it in the fall. Yeah. And then they use mechanical uh, process to extract the oils, no cooking. So you mm. don't miss out on any fragrance. Yeah. It doesn't cook out. You get all huh. the fragrance. That's cool. Um, which is pretty common. It's actually more rare to find uh, chemical or, or like heat separation of the oils because it's just easier in 2023 to just buy the machines to separate the oil mm. mechanically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get a higher quality product. So why not? Um, Do you know what kind of process that is? I don't. I think they spin it really fast. Really? Yeah, it's like, like a the centrifuge. salad spinner. Yeah, it's like a industrial salad spinner. Yeah. That's rad. Something like that. I'd or like they to see that. I think it's like pressed, 
and yeah, then yeah, spun yeah, yeah. Kind of like to extract or something. The, something like that. Yeah. Press them and spun. I don't know. You can. I'm not an expert on olive oil, but I do love uh, high quality olive oil. Uh, I have a membership. Funny enough, my grandfather gave me a membership to Costco, and I get a lot of my olive oils from Costco. 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 So um, I usually splurge on like one or two like really nice olive oils inevitably for my birthday a bunch of people buy me fancy olive oils for my birthday and then i chip away at those all year but i always order at least one pre i pre-order a novello from somewhere fancy and this one is from spain i'm gonna get one from spain last year it was all italian olive oil now we're uh, venturing out now we're adventuring out. I did have a one Greek fancy olive oil from last year, and I just finished that recently. That was the last one. So I'll have you over. We'll get some nice bread. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. go to a nice little bakery. Yeah, there's a bakery. Um, it's like Stephanie's or something like that, Stephanie's Bakery. I can rollerblade there and pick up bread, and I'll, have, I'll call you as soon as I get that novello in. Hell yeah. We can we'll have we can smell it and taste it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it on some uh, broccoli rob. Oh, beast! And bread and what else? Oh, you can actually pour olive oil on chocolate cake. Really? Yeah, that's weird. It is. <laughs> have you had? But you that? can do it. No, I actually have never tried doing that, but I've heard of people doing that. What is that? Or dark? You that? could drizzle it on dark chocolate, just straight up. Chunks of dark chocolate. Really? Stop people do that? Olive oil people do it. Olive oil people do it? Yeah. Like it's hints of cayenne. You're like, yeah. I don't care. It's, yeah. It's chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can do that. Um, but yeah, I've had olive oil cakes that are really good. If you make a more neutral cake, it might be, it might be more yeah. of an experience, an olive oil experience, than stacking the chocolate with the sugar, with the cake, with, yes. the, um, with the olive oil. But yeah, bread is classic, and vegetables is classic. A, sa- a salad, a nice salad, a salad, a nice spinach. I like spinach salad best. What's your favorite for salads? I don't eat a lot of salad. No, nah. Do you have a favorite salad, or you don't even think about? You don't give it that much time. Nah, I probably no. I don't even. Honestly, I it doesn't do it for me. No, like I get my vegetables elsewhere. You like, like uh? So how do you like vegetables? I like to cook them better not like not ton i like to saute nice uh, spinach yeah usually what i do now is just take mushrooms Mm. peppers Mm. spinach or you know maybe something else whatever and just throw that in a pan yeah let it chill out and then just make some beef or rice or whatever and then i kind of just you know either mix them together or don't depending on what form yeah and like uh you know whatever but honestly salad it just i don't fucking one for the amount of like shit you're eating it's not that much nutrients right you know what i mean you can cook down your leafy greens and stuff right yeah (laughs) and i just think that it's harder to eat too it's harder to eat when you got big pieces of leaf and you're like (gasps) that's what i'm saying you gotta get in your mouth you can eat get so much fiber and nutrients sauteing spinach because it cooks the fiber is still there and dude like a like a wad of spinach that you can eat in one bite is like 20 leaves yeah you know what i mean that you're like individually like yeah exactly this one i only got two leaves and this one i got five leaves Ooh. And I'm, like, more of a meat and potatoes type of person 
Like, I like the savory yeah, nice, stuff. A nice hearty dish. Yeah, like a hearty dish, but I try not to eat like shit. So, like, just making, cooking the vegetables is, like, the happy medium. Nice. <clears throat> but, like, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I don't know, salad cheese, it don't do it for me. I'm like, I need two more salads at least <laughs> every time I finish a salad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't make a ton of salads because it's cheaper to buy flash frozen vegetables mm. in the freezer aisle anywhere mm. um and you know you're you're guaranteed like a certain level of quality from flash frozen vegetables and because they're flash frozen you could defrost them if you wanted them to be a, like a little more fresh and raw um yeah or you could just just throw them right in just and just start yeah, cooking them, cook them. Um, so I get big bags of, of frozen vegetables, try and get like interesting mixed bags. So I don't have to think about it too much for my yeah. meal prep for the, for the week. Yeah. That's smart. A lot from Costco. Cause I have the Costco membership from my grandfather. Shout out Pasquale. Shout out Pasquale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I should make you some, uh, I had a, a sauteed spinach recipe that really, slapped yeah this week i made some sauteed spinach and i was like oh oh my god i should have made more this is so good i love that i put um a little bit of egg yolk in it to emulsify the sauce nice yeah that's interesting oh that sauce. tastes like good sauce? what kind of you no sauce? not i didn't add a, a ton of cream i love i love cream i love uh adding milk to sauces yeah. but uh this one it was just like a bunch of spices that i had in olive oil Mm-hmm. and I just wanted it a little bit more emulsified, so I just threw the egg yolk in there. If I was going to make it for, like, meal prep, I would, in addition to the egg yolk, put in a uh, some sodium citrate. So you mix baking soda and lemon juice, hmm. and it does the chemical reaction, turns into sodium citrate, and then you could put that in any sauce, and it will emulsify not just, like, pieces of starch, like little tiny pieces of starch in between um your water and your oil what but it will molecular molecularly emulsify it all together and that's how they make like Velveeta. they use a molecular emulsifier to take their cheese their proprietary cheese blend and make it gooey permanently oh, gooey no they way. put sodium or not sodium citrate because this the citrus citric acid's more expensive than the acid that they use but that's yeah that's how you can make like a a meal prep sauce that won't break apart when you reheat it since you make a lot of stews and stuff yeah you you probably notice like some of the fat comes out well here i cook a lot with beef broth right instead of like water yeah so you cook down all the nutrients and you just don't have the liquid you know yeah but uh yeah that would be cool because you could make like more saucy broth stuff with that that's nice and then um, also <clears throat> xanthan gum is a good ingredient you can add to that stuff. Uh, xanthan gum is good to have um, on hand because you can use it as a as a thickener. Hmm. And you can also use it for uh, like smoothie shop quality smoothies. If you've ever... Oh my... Is that how they make them like that? That's how they make them good so that they, they're thick <clears throat> that, and they like, don't nice... separate. And the ice... The, you know when the liquid all settles yeah. to the bottom of a smoothie? Xanthan gum. No shit. Yeah. And it's xanthan gum is just a root, you know. So that's funny because I was one, you know what? I just figured out how the 
coffee shop that I always go to makes the smoothies so banging. Yeah. One, they have those $1,000 blenders that are like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, get it get it all nice and even real quick. But it's like they, they've been blending for five minutes and it's still like marbling. Yeah. You know what I mean? How it's like, how did it not? Yeah. But it did. Um, and then that makes sense. Okay. Yep. A decent it... decent blender and some Xanthan gum. Hmm. And Starbucks does, uh, I, I don't know about other coffee shops, local and otherwise, but I know Starbucks has a pre-mixed in a squirt bottle of Xanthan gum and simple syrup. That That's they, hilarious. So they don't, they yeah, like yeah. take some steps out of it for their frappuccinos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to love frappuccinos. With the xanthan gum? Yeah. Um, I've become more of a latte guy recently because I love milk. Yeah. And I love, you know, nice fragrant coffee. But uh, I, you know, sometimes get a mocha frappuccino <laughs> to be all nostalgic about high school times <laughs> when I didn't drink coffee and I just liked coffee flavored milk. Yeah. Coffee flavored sugar. I, I still do that too. Sometimes I'll just <laughs> pour a glass of milk. We should talk about weird food habits because sometimes I take like a glass of milk, really good milk. I uh, Costco also has a really good whole milk that's okay. very sweet. Um, and I just put uh, 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 instant coffee into the milk. <laughs> Sicko. Yeah. <laughs> I love milk. I don't know. Love milk. I'm a baby cow. I don't know. Oh, I started making my own milk teas. Your own milk teas. Tell me about Fire. that. I love milk tea. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Like, yeah. we vibed over milk tea many of times. Have I made you bubble tea at home? Have you made me? I feel like you have. I have tapioca pearls, so I can make you okay. some for the road. No, no, you didn't. You gave no. me those strange Japanese candies. That's what I was thinking of. Ah, yeah. The milk tea candy. Oh, um, the mochis. Yes. Yeah, the mochis <clears throat> with the tapioca pearl and the milk tea yes. gum, gummy filling. Yes. Yep. Those are baller. Yep, yep. I really like those. When I met Dolphin in the skate park. Oh, yeah. I, I When I was uh, learning how to skate, I bought candy to hand out at the skate park. because yeah, super so that, normal, super cool. Yeah. Definitely something that the parents are like, yeah, who's that guy handing out no, candy? No, I wasn't giving candy no, to we little kids. Candy kids. I was, it was adults who were like... <laughs> Oh fuck! A rollerblader. Oh, and he's bad. Oh, I like. <laughs> Dolphin's like, like hey, hey, you, you, want, you want you want some Japanese mochis? And Everybody is stoked. They would be like, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's so good. It's like, all right, we're friends yeah. now. Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> and then and then everybody would be like, oh, there goes Dolphin. Wait, don't take your lines. Dolphin's learning how to rollerblade. <laughs> okay, take your lines. Go. It's safe. Yeah, it's safe. <laughs> what were you just saying before this? Uh, weird the, food habits. Do you have oh, any other dude, weird food the habits? Oh, dude, milk tea. So, <clears throat> it's nothing like... Nothing know, weird, cr- but you're making... Nothing crazy. You're making but, milk tea at home. But, like, obviously putting milk in black tea is, like, a normal thing. Sure. But I would get these, like, you know, honey, vanilla, chamomile, peppermint, lavender, like, you know, those blended teas. Sure. And just start dumping milk into those. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, oh, this is the best. Yeah. So now sometimes... <clears throat> I'll just brew the tea in <clears throat> some of this effervescent water. Yes, take your time to give it a good cough, like a real... <coughs> yeah. I was actually was listening to a podcast recently, <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts, um, How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams by Emily White. Okay, wait, hold on. We'll get to Emily White in actually 30 seconds. 
the last thing in the milk tea is you brew it really strong and then you just add the milk so it's not like diluted tea sure but it's a nice strong milk tea sweeten that bad boy with honey Honey, a little light yeah. brown sugar. Some good Stoked. local honey. Local honey, raw yeah. honey. Raw, raw honey. local honey, light brown sugar. Yeah. Fire fucking milk teas. Back to you, Emily. Love that. <laughs> Emily White recently had a moment on her podcast where she was filming here in Brooklyn and she was in front of a live audience as well. So she had something in her throat. I believe she was eating some nuts mm-hmm. and it got like stuck in her throat and she kept on trying to like clear her throat, take a sip of water, clear her throat, take a sip of water while was trying to stay in the flow of recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I had a, a vocal trainer tell me like, just cough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's weird in like post, <clears throat> like post uh, pandemic era. Cause like people are, uh, very nervous about coughing in public because oh, they'll get it. weird looks. Because I've been a lifetime asthma person, so uh, it's like I'm just like you know I'm congested. It's not I'm not yeah. sick. It just happens. Yeah. And like, but even if you're not, even if you're sick and you're not trying to spread germs, it's better to just cough because you just get it out and you're done with it rather yeah. than be like <coughs> for like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's so, like that. We uh, really you think we don't notice yeah. that, bud boy there yeah. guy. Uh, Emily White, love Emily White. Next time, just cough. It's, I know. We're, and, it's fine. Just it, cough. And it's probably a, uh, a really good pointer. I'm going to remember that, too, because the audience is probably like, yeah, we heard you trying to cough for the first 30 minutes before <laughs> Dolphin just said cough. Just cough. Because <laughs> <laughs> these mics are so fucking good. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a good podcast. Um Talking about podcasts on podcasts. Creative Juice is... I'm taking marketing, music marketing advice from them. Okay, Creative Juice. What podcast do you like? Quick recommendations from um, your peers. Robert Edward Grant podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he's For great. who? Who's that for? Robert like, Edward Grant is the host. Who's that for? Like, who would listen to that? Oh, oh, oh. Um, anybody, if you like physics, he is one of the leading astrophysicists Very right now. He has... He's one of the leading leaders in cryptography right now. Mm. Um, he owns multiple companies. Extremely interesting. He has so the guy who has the Nobel Prize for this past year in molecular physics proved that reality through math is only relatively real. Mm. So all the things that we go listen to that because I don't feel like getting into all that right now. But not, go listen not our to our wheelhouse. No. <laughs> Go listen to the Relative Reality podcast. But yeah, that's there's a Nobel Prize handed out within the year um, of basically proving mathematically that uh, our reality as we experience is only relatively real, meaning it doesn't, uh, real is not concrete across the board of human beings and across the board of experience. Experience is experience. Um, oh, that sounds like Nagel. Relatively. Do you know Thomas Nagel? <clears throat> no. It's a pretty common spiritual belief that, you know, we're like we're all unique living in like kind of a mesh, you know, co like half meshed in world, you mm. know, where it's like our universe but we're half meshed in with everybody else's universe. Yeah. Um interesting. <clears throat> but we just proved that mathematically and that's pretty fucking interesting. So Robert Edward Grant, he's sick. He also is the first one to uh, do precise temperament tuning on a piano, a real piano. Oh. So he's the first one to ever do this, 
right? Wow. It's never been done before, what he what is called precise temperament tuning. And in like there is geometry for all no, like wavelengths, sure. right? Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> when so if we have a, a C note, A note, B note, C note, D note, um the differentiation Right, they all have different number value frequencies of their wavelength. Yeah. Right? Our ears hear that frequency, however tall or short it is, and then it tells us we register it as a certain sound that we have now labeled A, B, or C, D, whatever fuck. Yeah. He has found the exact values where those wavelengths begin and end, and he has split them directly where they are supposed to be split, where <clears throat> there's room for error in piano tuning, even if we're using... Right, because it's an acoustic instrument. It's not generating something perfect and digital. It's yes. generating... And then like the also the sound waves travel through the air, which is also not a perfect yes. medium. So, yeah. Um... But he was able to create the perfect C note through an acoustic instrument, which nice. is kind of cool. Mathematically, yes. you know what I mean? We yeah. can prove that that is technically what a start to finish entire, that is the start of a C note, first where the wavelength starts and the end of the wavelength, right. and how it connects to the D note. And, and so he was the first one to do that. Ever. It, basically, for people who are listening to that, <clears throat> that don't know about temperament, and uh, especially like piano tuning, is that you know on the piano when you have literally a grid of notes that you can trigger with your fingers mm. uh there the difference between the octaves on a on most pianos is not a, a perfect ratio uh mathematically yeah. um because of the harmonic content that's created by the string so when you play a piano string uh there's actually a lot of frequencies that come out not just the root frequency yep. Yep. so those frequencies are not uh perfectly tuned relative to the notes played on the octave so in these different temperaments what the piano tuners are aiming to achieve is a more pleasant listening experience. So this is a new uh, temperament that uh, I guess would lead to. I, I guess I would have to. I'd have to listen to him talk about it or read about it. I would go. Yeah, it's super interesting. And the way that he derived all of these numbers was through his research of sacred geometry mm. and how <clears throat> the connection between wavelength and sound and wavelength in color and wavelength in the angles of the shapes that make up these actual right the building blocks of these actual frequencies sure um so i'm wondering what the what the practical <clears throat> uh advantages of those are i'm gonna have to read into that and see what this new tuning is able to achieve beyond the other tuning systems such as equal temperament yeah. Um, he's, well, really what he's doing, um, he is what is like known as a polymath. And mm. Da Vinci was a polymath. 
and many of the you know world's greats were Shakespeare <clears throat> um, his entire line of work is connecting the world through math and so that is his whole all of his companies are practical applications of these same mathematics mm. and so precise temperament tuning is not the first time he's applied it he just thought oh i can apply these same numbers to a piano and then ended up being the first person to do something in the piano field but he's sure. applied the same mathematics to encryption he's applied the same mathematics to a number of like physics a whole bunch of different fields but this is my favorite <laughs> Robert Edward Grant. Give yourself a nice good cough there, buddy. (coughs) That'll do. (laughs) That'll do. (laughs) Applied mathematics is geometry. Applied geometry becomes physics. Applied physics becomes chemistry. Applied chemistry becomes biology. Applied biology becomes psychology. Applied psychology becomes sociology. Applied sociology becomes philosophy. And applied philosophy becomes mathematics Hmm. and so it's just a nice verbal circle (laughs) interesting describes the world quite nicely interesting to tie back to uh mathematics uh from philosophy because so much philosophy is uh you know logic based it's primarily philosophy is primarily like a discussion of logic and uh, trying to deduce things uh, about our reality and about our experiences uh, without, you know, being in pursuit of, uh, like, actual or, uh, like, concrete evidence, but more of, you know, predicting what, you know, theoretical evidence could become. And logic is just, like, yes, no, one, zero. And it's funny because you will never... um... Einstein said, I didn't come to the theory of relativity through my rational mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a testament to real mathematics, is that uh, we're not going to get to the ultimate place mathematically, I mean, uh, rationally. And that's why irrational numbers and uh, the irrationality of this world is so important to get a grip on, Mm -hmm. and paradox and all that stuff. And that's why it's funny, because I I always felt that religion was... A little, not like, I mean, religion's great. I like it. But it has its its silliness in where many of the religions are pointing towards the exact same thing and people focus on the differences rather than the similarities. And your religion is telling you to focus on the similarities, yet you use religion to focus on differences. That's a very silly thing to me. (laughs) Um, But I love that religion and mathematics are coming full circle now where they're now proving some of these higher concepts like relative reality and personal realities and stuff like that. Um, And we're actually proving it mathematically. And I always thought that it's the funniest argument that science, like science science and religion argument, because both people are trying to get to the same place. I think it's the same for everybody. We're all trying to have a better life. We're all trying to get to the same place. We're all trying to be happier, be better. But science and religion are trying to get to the same place by all balancing the same equation. Religion, basis of religion, you know, and a lot of religions started with the notion that we're all one. And that our, then it could expand to we're all one community, or we're all one religion, or we're all one whatever. And 
we have just proved now through mathematics that there is relatively only one. Mm. Um, and I think that it's funny because we're coming to this little point in the triangle of knowledge here where uh, the odds and ends are meeting in the middle. Mm, yeah. um, and they're still yelling at each other about the same exact answer, which is super funny. Mm. <clears throat> but I think it's just because, you know, we all want to get to that source. You know, the meaning of religion to people, people use it to go back to the source, what makes them feel most at home, what makes them feel most loved. And in math, we're trying to balance equations, get back to the one. Mm. And I just thought, I think it's funny. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I hear ya. A little, little mouth fart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about your crystal guitar. Yeah, what do you want to know about it? You gotta tell. You gotta. You gotta you pitch it. Oh, okay. Sell it. Uh, <laughs> we're working it's fucking on. Sick. Bring it over here. Oh, thank bring, you. Bring, 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 bring over here. So this is the most recent prototype <clears throat> of the crystal guitar. This is crystal guitar Luciana, named after the <laughs> industrial uh, sculpture artist uh, Luciana Lamothe, and. Uh, I named it after her because I'm using steel tubing uh, for the structural elements. Can you see it? Yeah, I can Camera see food. the whole thing, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll hold it up by your faces. Yep. No, you're good. The structural elements of it for this prototype are built out of uh, steel tubing, which was what uh, turned me on to uh, Luciana Lamothe's sculptures in the first place because... We live in New York City. There's tons of scaffolding everywhere. Oh, you're funny for that. And she uses scaffolding <laughs> to make art. So I was this like... This is Kitar Luciana. <laughs> yeah. So I had all this uh, steel tubing lying around, some EMT tubing uh, with all these couplers here uh, to build like shelves and music stands and just some like DIY, some modular shit together. Yeah. And I have been aiming to learn how to use CNC machines. Um, to create like a wooden body that houses all these electronics more uh, nicely, efficiently. Yeah. But there were some ergonomics that I had to work out before yeah. I took it like straight to a CNC machine and uh -huh. spent like a whole bunch of time, money, resources, energy, all that stuff. Yeah. So I was just like looking around and I was like, oh, I got this pile of steel tubing here and all these couplers. Let me like take the electronics that I was prototyping with and just like uh, throw them together on the tubes. And that's what I did. You could see the, the structure of it is pretty dang simple here. That's so rudimentary. Yeah. It's, it's so uh, rad. But if you hear, heard this thing, it's the, it's the least rudimentary performing instrument you're ever going to fucking hear in your life. So what was the basis of why you wanted to build something like this? So guitar is like a funny, quirky, hybrid digital instrument, right? Yeah. It's uh it's a keyboard that you hold like a guitar. Yes. And when I was first putting together all of my music and in a way that I could present it to the public, I was thinking, man, I love playing guitar and I love playing piano for different reasons. Uh, but it's neither one is like perfect for me. Mm -hmm. So I said, 
oh, Kitar, that's funny. Let me try that. And I bought one that was like bad. And I was like, oh, this is terrible to play. There's got to be better Kitars out there. Yeah. And then I got one that was pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is like really nice. Like Mm -hmm. I can really get into this. And I did really get into it Uh to the point where I was saying, this is still not a serious instrument. This is like a prop for somebody else who plays keyboard. I agree. And it, like, <clears throat> all the keytars on the market were like that. There's one that I haven't tried yet called the Lag La Key that I haven't tried that I think is very compelling. And then I've seen, I've never seen, uh, I know I have seen some performances of that, but still didn't seem like what I was looking for. It's super rare keytar. Then there's the. Um, or or orfica or uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> picture of it here. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, and that had some compelling features. Uh, and with my knowledge of all of the keytars that have ever existed across history, including custom ones, I was like, you know, the keytar needs to be more of a serious instrument. Yeah. It needs a really long touch strip. It does. All these little pitch wheels and. When you're when you're playing a, a traditional guitar, <coughs> when you move your finger, when you're moving your fingers on the neck, mm-hmm. it doesn't really look like you're doing anything. No, it doesn't, doesn't. It doesn't feel particularly good either. It doesn't have the same. Like I don't know how to play guitar, right? But I've been given a chord yeah. to be able to strum yeah. or like two, right? And even just going one to the two is way more stimulating. One hand, two hand, you feel the vibration going up and down. Sure. Way more stimulating. I've played the keytars, a couple of them that you're talking about. Right. And just with the hold sustain and even with the wah and like yeah. that, the pitch bend, they're plastic elements that feel so far removed from the actual From the music instrument. that you're from making. The, yeah, from the instrument is separating like the feel, the organic feel of the right. music. Yes. Of course. And so this was your idea to make the keytar a more organic instrument. Right. So you can basically think about <clears throat> this uh, long touch strip here as a one string on a guitar Mm -hmm. but because you have a a keyboard here you can connect the expression on here to all the keys that you're playing so in dolphin mode which is the mode that the crystal guitar will ship with when you first pick it up uh it almost turns the playing into something like a slide guitar Whereas you strum the strings by pressing a key, and then wherever you touch is just sustain. And then from there, you can bend the pitch. And these are all interval markings here. And I I did not make this controller here, but I wrote the software to make it work the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Um, So what you should be able to do is play a note, pick your favorite spot on the keytar, press your finger down, and then move that note from there. Yep. So you always start from pitch bend zero, and then you move pitch bend to the interval that you want. Yep. Uh, and in the next version of the Crystal Keytar, you'll be able to do hammer-ons like you would on a guitar, which is natural. Wow. Because on a guitar string, that's it. You can play a note here, but then if you play a note here on that string, yeah. on a guitar or any, because you need to be able to separate with two hands. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> you can, you know. Uh, a traditional keyboardist would also have to like play like move their hand across their hands to play like 
really yeah. extended yeah. parts. So they'd have to. But this being more of a soloist instrument, you can now do things like like hammer on notes. So if you get to like the top of the key bed and you don't have any more room to play any notes higher because it's supposed to be a portable instrument that you can hold, you still have some flexibility because you can grab that note, the last note that you played, you grab it and then you move it up Yeah. from anywhere. Grab the note, move it up. And then you can do the hammer on. So you can grab the note and then just you have the muscle memory that this is from here to like let's do three uh, whole steps. You do like you know three whole steps up or like a like a major fifth, and then you know that's the muscle memory that I need to hit that note from wherever I'm at currently. <clears throat> yeah. So if you ever get stuck when you're playing keys, where it's like hard for you to transition your hand to a note because of the solo that you wrote, the melody that you wrote, or the chord that you wrote, you can quick transpose it by doing a hammer-on. You can transpose it up, or in the other mode, you could transpose it down, where you can you can put two fingers down, and then take it off, and then you would bend down. Yeah, and you said it a little bit, but when you told me this, when you verbalized this, mm -hmm. it just made it, it solidified this as not only a sick piece of equipment, but this is going to be a game changer for people that play instruments like this because it turns a synthesizer into a solo instrument, a yeah. lead instrument. Yeah. It turns a keyboard into a lead, lead instrument, a keytar into a lead, lead instrument. Yeah. Something a you could specialize in. Something where you can hold, strum, and flip off the fucking audience with because yeah. that's what they want. Oh, yeah. They don't want you sitting there, are you ready? Yeah. No. Are you fucking ready? Yeah. That's the difference of what this thing does. You can perform you can, with it. Yeah, you can perform and with it. Because this is such a visible expression surface, this long touch strip, uh, you convey to the audience what you're playing and how you're affecting the sound. Yeah. This is called cross-modal synthesis, the connection between two senses. So you can play a note, and we'll link to... Uh, a performance where this is plugged in and operable but if you hit a note on the keyboard here and then you grab the note on the touch strip and then you bring it down people get it they're like oh his hand is moving down and the note is moving down yeah i understand and they connect with it emotionally and then they get way more into your music than they would have if your fingers are just like here and they're doing things and they're like, I don't know what his fingers are doing. Exactly. Because you know? it's like how... What, is that pitch bend? Is that modulation? I don't, I don't know what he's doing. It's exactly right. And like if you had a keyboard like, you know, like the in Mr. Crowley by Ozzy Osbourne? Sure. So like I love that. And it's like <laughs> long, just wow. And that's when you need a lead instrument, I feel like. Because the aesthetic of just going... Your body is not enough. Your to body get me needs stoked. to connect with the music. Yeah, to get me yeah. stoked on the one note. But I feel like when you watch Ozzy on stage and he's putting on a show, he's got his hat on, he comes out and is like, You're about to fucking die. Yeah. And he hits that note, it's got a whole different feeling. It just hits yeah. so much more different. And you can, you can see it. You can express into that. You yeah. Know, you can connect whatever Whatever your body is feeling like doing, you can put into the note by yeah, and you moving can see how yeah. like fired up he is, how passionate that is on stage, and then you 
watch yeah. it come out of the speakers. Especially since keyboard players with uh, vibrato particularly, you can add a lot of energy into a single note with vibrato. And on a guitar, that looks like something because you're either yes. doing this with the string yeah. or you are grabbing your whammy bar and you're going like this. And it's sick to see that. You can put your energy into yeah. it. Like, um, wow, he's physically bending he's that pitch. He's moving the note. I see that. So on keyboards, usually what happens is there's just basically like a sideways knob. It's like a wheel. So it's yeah. like a sideways knob. Yeah. And you basically are just going like... And no one wants and there's to see vibrato. you flicking your little so wheel. So that's... <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look like anything. It's just like it's just like, and it's like, yeah. I didn't you lose, see you the lose I didn't see the wiggle. I want to see the wiggle. Yeah. So on a on a touch trip like this, all you need to do to um, modulate your note is just grab and then move however you're feeling. If you're feeling like doing a pitch dive, you can do pitch dive. You feel like just changing the actual note. You could just change the note. Is it higher? Is it lower? If you want it to wiggle intensely, you just got to wiggle intensely <laughs> and then you get your your crazy vibrato. You could do a little vibrato, nice and gentle, just a little. Yeah. Or you could do like. <laughs> and I feel really like as your it. design gets better and better, you're going to be able to program this thing more and more like an organic string yeah. to be able to, oh, on the side and flick it and push it and all these yes, different little well, variations of movement. There'll be all these <clears throat> definitely parameters that yeah. you'll be able to. And with the strength with synthesis is that if you're like, I want to do this with my hand and then I want it to sound like this when I do that. So you just got to know how to program a synthesizer. Yeah. So we could, for example, um, one of the things that you said was like, what happens if you flick the string? So we could program in a with our multi-touch um, controller that we're you can play from the neck that we're designing oh. from the. <laughs> you can actually do something akin to uh, a let's say like a like aftertouch. So keyboard aftertouch is usually like the harder you press down on the note. Yeah. After you've played the note, the harder you press down, it sends more data for yep. how hard you're pressing. Mm -hmm. So that's after touch. It's after you touch it, how hard you're pressing. So we could use that parameter in traditional synthesis programming to be like, well, if you had a string here yeah. and you, you went like this and you flicked the string, you'd essentially re-strum the string. So because we're designing like okay. a multi-touch surface, yeah, yeah, yeah. we could track your finger moving across the surface yes. and say that's what... Uh, like a flick looks like, and then that would essentially send some temporary aftertouch data to re-energize the note that you made. So you go, and it would add more aftertouch. Instead of having to physically press down on the key harder, you could flick it, and it would... And that opens up a realm of multiple necks. You could have multiple necks. That do different things. If this was a multi-touch <clears throat> surface right now, it's it's you can only put one finger on mm -hmm. this prototype at a time. But if we had like an, this was an XY uh, touch strip, not only could you sense how much of your finger is squished over the surface for like a pressure value, yeah. but you could also say like, well, if I'm touching on this top side of the neck, yeah. it's, it's controlling a different thing than when I'm controlling yeah, here. That's what I, yep. So now you don't have to think about um, like 
really moving your hand too much or choosing a different synth patch because you can now have more expression under your fingertips at all times yeah rather than having to like change what the knobs do on your synthesizer like change you, what the aftertouch does on your synthesizer yeah it's like if you, you can, think guys are obsessed with yeah. pedal boards now you could even program like this chunk of the neck to to do one thing this chunk of the neck to do another thing this chunk of the neck so it's like wow. when i do this up here let's say we split it in half mm-hmm. right this is like filter oh wow wah wah yeah and then this is your pitch bend mm-hmm. you know so you could do it like that if you felt like programming it as such yeah yeah, yeah. um i even have uh, a parameter for how many fingers are touching your so not again not this prototype but the next prototype that we'll, we will have done soon will be like based on the number of fingers that you have touching the surface the touch strip um will trigger a a different data point namely we'll use it for what we perceive for guitar playing as pinch harmonics i was like i want pinch harmonics on my synthesizer and that's when you hear uh like a metal guitarist make really squealy squelchy notes Okay. Basically, what they're doing is they're using the tip of their thumb when they strum uh, their knuckle. When they strum a note, um, they're actually triggering a certain harmonic on the guitar string. Mm-hmm. And the, the different positions on the string that you uh, hit your knuckle onto will make it, um, will basically mute the lower harmonics going up. And because of guitar distortion, like amplifier distortion, um, it's basically just taking whatever the lowest harmonic is and bringing all the harmonics up to volume because it's squishing it into the distortion. Interesting. So I'm like, well, I want that parameter. I want to be able to cancel the lower harmonics in my synthesis engine. So how do, how do you do that? Because there's no... There's no place for you to like hit your thumb on a piano key. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, that could just be like however many fingers you have touching this touch surface, we can give you access to your pinch harmonics by being pinch harmonic one, pinch harmonic two, pinch harmonic three, pinch harmonic four, canceling out all those frequencies up the harmonic hmm. um, range. Interesting. So that that's I'm cool. very excited for that because I'm like... See, that's cool because that, to me is like the full circle of art mm-hmm. and whoever discovered pinch harmonics didn't fucking know mathematically or verbally why that yeah they sounds. just accidentally bumped their thumb up yeah. against the string they were like that shit's cool with too much distortion on their guitar yeah and, and then, then someone like, oh that sounds like the 80s yep and yeah. then someone started performing with that and then someone in the audience went shit that sounds cool yeah what is he doing Figured out how to play it at home. Yeah. Saw the thumb thing. That's what he's doing. Now, what is making this sound happen? Crazy that they actually figured it the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone was smart enough to explain that verbally. Dolphin had enough knowledge to take that in verbally, process it through his own mind, and then use it in another application that yeah. has nothing to do with the original the original yeah. guitar, which was an accident in guitar playing. Yeah. Turned into a new musical music. instrument. That's amazing i love that that's thank you but anyway to wrap it up on here um 
We've got two other technologies that we were really passionate about in this project. By the way, shout out to Spencer and Austin on the Crystal Keytar team and Therister who also helped out with the project a little bit. Um, the keys, this is, again, we didn't invent this controller, but we want to use keyboard, um, QWERTY keyboard switches so that anywhere you press on the key, the key is just as easy to press down. On cheap MIDI keyboards, if you play up at the top of the keys, they're really hard to press down because the fulcrum for the pivot of the key is right where your finger is, so it's really hard to press down. So by using basically like a, like a plunger style switch instead, that the whole key travels up and down the same way. So it's very easy to play big jazz chords and R&B chords. Uh, it's easy to play solos where your fingers have to be all over the keyboard. Yeah. So linear, not radial keys. Linear keys, not radial keys for the crystal guitar. And then also the ergonomics of the enclosure, the body, it is angled down because I'm going to stand up and show you what that means. Put it on. Other keytars that are in a straight line or some keytars that are angled up, it means that the keyboard has to be in a really uncomfortable position. So because we've angled it this way. That is ergonomically better. It is ergonomically better. Just where better. your hands fall. So That makes sense. So for this, it's where your hands fall. It's where your elbows pivot. When you play guitar, you're used to the neck being up out at this direction, not vertical. I have a keytar that I have to play like this to be ergonomic. So that's the first thing is that the neck is in a comfortable position for people who know uh, guitars. Yeah. And okay. then here, uh, the keyboard has to be angled down at an angle because when you play the keytar, your elbow is supposed to be in the center of the key bed so that you can move your hand up and you can move your hand down and you're just in the middle of your range of motion for your elbow. So okay. that's why we have the neck pointed straight out and the keyboard pointed straight down so that you can just move your elbow and not have to move like your shoulder or move your body. That's one thing. And then another thing is that you'll also also notice that the keyboard's on a wedge. It's tilted up because too many people when, and I can actually move the keypad on this prototype. <laughs> if the keypad's like this, you have to, oh, your wrist is like this. You're gonna dinosaur it. So you, <laughs> you take these, oh, can you hold the yeah, keyboard yeah. for a second? It's on with Velcro right now. Yeah. Um, you tilt these hinges up on this prototype and then you get the actual ergonomic capacity. Take that back, put it back on them with the Velcro. You get the, the full ergonomic vision of the crystal keytar. Now that the keybed is tilted up, you don't have to flamingo it. A lot of keytarists will have to play with a knee up. You don't have to with the crystal keytar. With the crystal keytar, you can just stand naturally and not bend your wrist at a crazy angle like this. You can just play like this. Hell yeah. And your elbow pivots and your wrist stays straight. You could do all of your proper piano techniques without sitting at a piano with a height adjusted stool. You can now just have it on your body like this. We should just use this as the demo. Okay. You can have this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely put 
together like a better demo once we have no, no, no. all like, the original electronics. I'm uh, yeah, of course, not not like to sell the Best Buy. Yeah, to fucking sell to like another programmer who might want to get involved and stuff like that, you know. Oh, sure. People yeah. on ground level promo. Oh yeah, I could definitely use more help. Um, I have to learn how to use a CNC machine and how to design a, a 3D design for the body of the keytar. I feel and... like you should p- use this to pitch to people that have that knowledge. Yeah, that will yeah. help you because it's like if you could, oh all right have a hand in you know, yeah like a quarter percentage of sales whatever sure. or, if, or whatever deal that you can figure out you know yeah oh I've been I've been paying everybody like their uh, their hourly rates for development on this stuff so yeah. Kitar Spencer gets his hourly rate and Kitar Spencer Thurister I did a trade swap with him he wanted some vocals for his um, trance and big room productions mm-hmm. uh, and um, Austin hasn't done any uh, like work, like shop work for me yet, but he'll be painting it. I'll pay him his rate too. So, so the way I'm thinking about this though, for like pre-sale sale, mm-hmm. is uh, to bring it like serial entrepreneurs and people that actually have like money to invest. Sure. Um, oh, but, could... but specifically people that like have you know, if you were to yeah. bring it to like a manuf- uh someone that has a hand in like manufacturing Fender guitars, yeah. or you know, very specific. Or uh, what's it? What's it? Uh, the piano people. Vintage vibe. Vintage vibe. I love vintage vibe. Yeah, yeah, shout out vintage vibes. So anybody that's in their realm, you know what I mean? People, sure. Whoever, uh, you know, there could be a key investor in vintage vibe, mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like this. It's I feel like uh, back end before it's like, uh, oh yeah, you know where the key investor or maybe you find someone else that's doing a similar project or yeah. and they have a but, you know. We're, so one thing that we're doing to kind of hustle along the production of this without having to rely on too much outside money is mm-hmm. um, an, an investment is uh, we intend to make the neck of the keytar mm-hmm. available as a standalone piece of gear that you can later on attach to the key bed when we finish the key bed. Mm-hmm. But the neck is such a huge part of how to play the crystal keytar yeah that we're like oh what if we just made it so that you could plug any usb midi keyboard i was hoping you would say that into the neck yeah then that shows up on your computer as one instrument because then people and you can play it desktop where you use your left hand for modulation Mm -hmm. and you use your right hand for playing or you could put it on the opposite side of your key bed left hand now you Mm -hmm. have a left hand uh keyboard and right hand expression if you if you're more used to that or yeah. you want to play bass parts or people with different types of touch touch pads yep different things that like quick touch you know yeah. you could even put drum pads and stuff on some types or you could build your own sure, multiple yeah. synthesizer yeah, instrument I've, I've and then got, use the keytar to mesh it all i've got button grids over there i've got the midi fighter i've got the eigenheart pico what else do i got over there this really legitimately the, is a fucking million dollar idea yeah so this, it, this crystal keytar neck the the first products that will be like out available as like a production model thing will most likely be just the neck with a usb port on it and you plug a usb midi controller into it anything that sends out midi notes Mm -hmm. so it could be like i said a midi fighter an mpc style thing a uh, another keyboard um and then you're basically adding expression to those notes that you're sending out. But for convenience, it's all showing up in your computer as one MIDI device. That's what we uh, are intending to do with that first thing. But then we'll be getting, once the key bed is ready, 
we'll be getting out like boutique models hand painted by Austin um, to cool. rent, raise money for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the <clears throat> the the neck controller for the crystal guitar would fund the key bed, yeah. which would fund uh, which would together. Um, be the boutique model, which would then fund yeah, the, the production, production model so yeah. that um, I really want to uh, compete in like a $300 price range for the really? first production model. Um, yeah, I got some plastic stuff going on so that everybody can play it and beat it up and lose it, get it stolen, buy another one without being like, yeah. man, fuck my $1,000 boutique model. Just like... Oh, I, I dinged it. Fuck. I, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. there needs to be like a cheap piece of shit so that like Green Day can play one and give it to a fan. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Green Day would not probably <laughs> buy a keytar. <laughs> Come on. Green Jordan Rudis could uh, have one, the the cheap production model, yeah. and give it to a fan on stage or you could beat the shit out of it and buy another one because you just don't like um, being too careful with instruments, you'd rather perform with it. Yeah, hell yeah, something like that. But yeah, something in that three hundred dollar range. You know where like a beginner guitar would be. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, where you can get your hands on it reasonably. Get your hands on it, learn, see if you want it. Also, here's something I'm really excited about putting into it, and something controversial for the haters. <laughs> Built-in speaker, oh. so that you can just whip it out and just start practicing with it. Yeah. Or Jam at the campfire. Yes, it's. I have a um, a keyboard a synthesizer that has the speaker built in, and I play it more than any other synthesizer I have uh, or, or have ever owned. Mm-hmm. Simply because the speaker is built into it, yeah. that I could just practice anywhere. People are like, "Oh, but the quality of the built-in speaker will be shit." And it's like, yeah, that's yeah, not the point. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> it's a little tiny speaker. I'm not and using it to play a concert. Yeah, fuck. I'm not. I'm not getting on stage at like Bowery Ballroom and being like, "Yeah, listen to this acoustically." Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna need stage yeah. mics to pick all this up. Yeah, yeah. To pick up the sound coming I'm sure out of somebody my built-in will, speaker. Somebody will do it. Um, I mean, as a matter of fact, I played a show one time with that synthesizer. Yeah, and. There was like an, uh, some emergency where the, the sound guy was like, I don't know why you're not sending signal. And I'm like, I could still hear it out of the speakers. So you do what you gotta do. <laughs> we're feeding back into the, um, the AV stuff that we were talking about yeah. from AV gigs. You just, you gotta keep the show going. You gotta keep it, keep it rolling. So I had to keep performing because that was my job. The sound guy had to keep troubleshooting it and mixing the show. Because uh, that was his job. You just got to keep it flowing. <laughs> Crystal Kitar. Crystal Kitar, baby. Yeah, I love that thing. Thank you. I can't wait for you to get a fully realized one with the expression controller, with the key bed, with the speaker built into Dude, it so that you could just jam all the time. I have people that I'm telling this about that want it so bad. I, I, want, I want them to have it because, uh, honestly, I started doing this because i wanted a way to play my music yeah uh expressively creatively the way i wanted to and if i get this into more people's hands where it's like accessible to people yeah then i'm sure they'll bring their own experience to it innovate and then teach me things that like i wouldn't have ever even thought of it's gonna be a full art circle dude i'm fully supportive of the open flow of information and you know i just 
any way that I could get this into the hands of as many people as possible, uh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So I was at the Buddy Griffin's house. Who Buddy, did that, yeah, Buddy uh, Griffin. Video for. Um, he set up like a little music night. He had a couple of his buddies come over, a bunch of instruments, band, like a band that already plays, and then just a bunch of ragtag fucks that are just like bringing what they got and like trying to fit in. And so the keyboardist for that band, sicko. Yeah. Like one of the most impressive keyboard, like jamming, just like, like just so like incredibly fast, incredibly just brilliant. Sure. Um, but he had just bought a guitar. Ah, what do you get? Like a Roland or a Korg? It's a Roland. Is the Roland yeah, that the big one? The, the axe. One that looks like a sword. Yes, the axe. Yeah, the axe edge. <laughs> a hot take on the axe edge. Too big. Too big. Too big. I would say yes. It was very bulky, very awkward for me to play. It was just felt like a lot, yeah. like to have on, like hanging from me. Um, I'd rather just sit with yeah. it. And you, you tried the. You haven't even played this new prototype. You tried no, the old tried the prototype, old uh, which was thirty. It had even more keys than this one. It had thirty four, eight, six, thirty six keys. And it was made of freaking wood. It was heavy. So the contention, wood. We, he had unboxed it that day. So it was all of our first licks on it. Right? Ah, and see, his yeah. too. Yeah. And the contention was one, just too big, and two, too not, big. not fun. Not fun. And, and he, w- he had his double-decker little, you know, professional keyboard setup that he brought. Um, and, well, it was fun, but it was limiting. Yeah. And you get to a point where you're like, you're testing out all the noises and stuff. And you get to a point where you just want to do more. And you feel like you're like, ah, like you're doing the same. It's like, yeah. ah. I keep doing the same thing. I want to do more things. Yeah. It's like, because so, he's such a skilled pianist. Yeah. So it's, I could tell that he was just like, I wish I had more to do on here because I could do sick shit. Yeah, you know, instead you feel of just, like your hand is is not busy enough. Yeah, and I didn't feel like he was busy enough because I had just watched him rip the keyboard, and I would go on here, and he would try these one-handed solos, and I'm like, I know if you just had more If you had things to use with this hand. Yeah, you could just make it a whole different animal. Yeah. And with the Rollins, the vibrato, you know, we were talking about wiggling your fingers to make the pitch wiggle. Yeah. Um, with the Roland, you can do that on the touch strip, um, but most people will just use the, um, it's, I don't know what they, what the Roland calls it, expression bar. It's basically like a big bar under your palm yes. that you just squeeze. Yeah, yeah, the squeezy. And then the more you squeeze it, the more it, uh, does yeah. the vibrato. And it vibrato, was, but... and it was cool, but I go, oh dude, look at this. And I showed him the video from your Instagram of yeah. the, of you playing it. And he was like, oh, where, where did he fucking get that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, he made that. He made that. And he was like, dude, like, where can I? And I was like, not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but not he, was, he, he reiterated two times before he left that night to tell me when it was available. Ah. Because he wants one. Yeah, okay. And it was like. What's it was, his name? I totally forget. But the band that oh. he plays in with his dad is called Crazy in the Sunlight. Crazy in the Sunlight. All right, Crazy in the Sunlight. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that I. Uh, Got a, a boutique model ready for you guys uh, this year. They do Grateful yeah. Dead type of stuff. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. Have it really, needs a platform like that. Yeah, they got really heady like art and stuff. And sure. So that world, make him a boutique model. Yeah. He'll fucking destroy that thing. It can, yeah. I want it to be used for all the all the genres because it's just, it's just a, a keyboard with a lot more expression and more comfortable to play. Yeah. So it should be just be used for anything and you can... If you're playing EDM, then it's going to be Super Saw. 
Yeah. Uh, if you're playing Grateful Dead stuff, it super might be. You know, it might also be super saw, but maybe <laughs> maybe more like a tasteful, warm unison synth. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. not super saw. Um, or uh, if you you know if you're playing like uh, what else? What else? could you use really nice keyboard expression for rock music you could just like take just a simple saw wave uh synthesizer just and just plug it into a guitar amp yeah and just shred it like you would a uh you know guitar lines um and you know i want to give you guys pitch harmonics so that would be really sick that would be sick pinch pinch harmonics and I'm just thinking of the intro, Joe's said it before, the intro of Mr. Crowley is guitar yeah. and organ. Yeah. And you can almost do both at the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some, something like that. You can do like the Mr. Crowley intro yourself. Yeah, you could you could just pull up like um like an organ preset and uh kind of start where Deep Purple left off with plugging a B three, Hammond B three organ into a guitar amp. And that's what smoke under smoke on the water is. It's oh no shit. Dan dan dan. It's an organ. Yeah. It's not a guitar. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> dan yeah. So I'm like, I'm like yeah. But what if you could like take that and and bend it and wiggle it and modulate it with different parameters. Also, one thing that I came up with in my head was like, oh yeah, guitars. Some guitars have like some things that you can control, like knobs and stuff up here. And I'm like, it doesn't really feel good. And then I was thinking about um, John Grom mm-hmm. had this viral guitar video of his performance of his single Passion Flower. Yeah, you need knobs on, on the bass. I feel like where volume knob is on guitar. Yes, you definitely need one there. Cork uh, has guitar, one there. Yeah. But also, um, John Grom, this guitarist, uh, in his song Passion Flower... He actually replaces two of his guitar tuning pegs with banjo tuning pegs, which are different because uh, on an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, you have to like reach up here to get the tuning peg. Banjo tuning pegs are behind the headstock, so you don't have to like reach your wrist up here to get to the tuning pegs. You can just reach here. So I want to put like banjo style tuning pegs on the fake headstock of the keytar, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that just like John Grom. He's live tuning the strings of his guitar as part of the guitar expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, that'd be perfect for the crystal guitar. Ah, uh, you could like, and now it's like you can take a instrument where we're precisely temperamentally tuned, right? Right. Synth, and you could just fuck with it. Exactly. You could make it a little bit out of tune if that's where it sounds the yeah, best. Yeah, you could lock in the transpose that's by cool. using these. Yeah. And then also, um, you could do things like filter sweeps. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. You do things like the rate of your arpeggio if you're like, you know, oh, if you if you like yeah, yeah, performing yeah, yeah. with an arpeggiator, a yeah, lot of yeah. a lot of synthesizer players do love that. Um, that's sick. There's just so many options. And then. Uh, if you want to hold a note, um, the good news is with the crystal guitar is in the next prototype you'll be able to both use the neck for bass notes. So if you just if you don't want this to be expression and you just wanted to play like the bass notes, yeah. the left hand notes for your right hand, yeah, notes, yeah, you could do that. That's what I was thinking of when you said play from the neck. How you could play the Mr. Crowley intro yes. yourself. Yes, because it's just so now we have a more comfortable two handed guitar where you could instead of. A lot of people play guitar like this. 
Yeah. They they uh, T Rex it and they play guitar like this, so they could they could use both hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, at that point, it's not a guitar; it's just a strap on keyboard. <laughs> so yeah, like, come on, bud. So bring it back for the neck. It's got a neck. That's what makes it a keytar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then you know you'll have bass mode. So dolphin mode is when as soon as you touch, you have sustain, which is like a guitar. And then you move it up and down, and it changes the pitch, like a guitar. Yeah, yeah. So that's dolphin mode. And then bass mode will be all of those uh, interval markers. Instead of being there for pitch bend intervals, they're there for actual bass notes you yeah. can just touch the bass notes uh and then um in either of those modes you'll be able to move your right hand from the keys grab the neck like a guitarist who's tapping the neck yeah get your sustain in either mode bass mode or dolphin mode hold down your sustain and then do some like synthesis modulation with those um fake tuners they're just synth knobs now yeah. at that point so that, that was one key, crystal keytar technique that I haven't been able to do yet because I don't have the knobs programmed. But keytar Spencer is hard at work. Last thing we talked about was programming those knobs. And additionally, we're going to have multiple types of knobs because mm-hmm. synthesizer players love their knobs. We've got different types of knobs. We're going we're gonna to have a traditional knob that has a start point and an end point. Mm-hmm. We're going to have... A fine-tuned knob that can spin multiple times uh, around until it hits its stop point and our start point, stop and start point. Then we're gonna have an endless encoder, so you just control its start point and your stop point in the programming for your your uh, user programming. Um, but it's just an endless knob, so endless encoder. And a clicky knob, so that if you want to do <laughs> steps, if you want it to be like click, 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 and you want to feel those clicks, we're also going to have a clicky knob as well. I like that. So you'll have all of those knobs, and you know it's just however big you want that headstock. So you know we'll probably have six knobs on there, maybe like two endless encoders, two traditional knobs. Uh, a fine-tune knob and a clicky knob, and those will be your Fuck six. Yeah, and then, dude. you know, for the boutique model, we can just add if you want like ten knobs back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just two rows of five, or we two rows of four if you wanted eight knobs back mm-hmm. there. Would you consider uh, making this project in the future like an open source thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I figured that's I want it to be with it. I want to protect the copyright because I don't want people like taking the keytar, yep. saying that they're one of our competitors, and then giving keytars a bad name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to elevate the keytar platform to a point where people are like, like, oh, if you want to make sure it's done right, you got to go to um, Crystal Keytar or the people that the Crystal Keytar is licensed to mm. for these technologies. And then we can start like licensing out the technology giving it out to people like more people making it a more accessible license and then eventually just making it open source so that people know that it's not all guitars are shitty instruments it's just like any other instrument there are shitty instruments and there are good quality instruments yeah but i w- i don't want that to happen before 
we I figured that before we prove the keytar yeah and the crystal before we prove the crystal keytar yeah um i want the technology to be a little bit a little bit locked down yeah because it's one thing just talking about it i can guarantee you but it is another thing actually giving out the technology i mean i i can guarantee you right now when i die everything's open source fuck yeah like buddy. i'm just like at that point i've done all that i can do within this lifetime so it, anything that i have a copyright to i just want to be creative commons um after after i die so you i can guarantee you that before that, I don't know when the crystal keytar technology will be open source, but we will yeah, be but I could see working that it, towards it. Yeah, it's definitely something that when it's yeah. like a solidified thing, yeah. it'll be that's like the obvious next step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yes. That'll do, buddy. That'll do. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, I actually came to him. This is Dolphin's yeah, yeah. house. Thanks for having me. <laughs> aquarium. We're here. Oh, yeah, that's what we were going to say when the battery died. Millennium Film does those audiovisual shows. So oh yeah, you can splice that in there. My battery died. That's why that yeah. cut randomly in the middle. And then, but we only lost like a minute of footage actually, so that worked out well. Yeah. Here Excellent. we're gonna spin. We're gonna do a little behind the scenes here, so you see how fucking funny this shit is. Yeah. yeah we're in a. We're in the aquarium. Unplug that power cable. <clears throat> okay, so we have our two oh, TVs. A skateboard. A skateboard. Yep. We got our two two, two monitors over there. Yeah. Here's me. Two TVs. And then we have that camcorder. Is feeding the TVs. Is feeding the TVs. And then there's the projector up there. Yeah. And then we're using these two fucking... <laughs> this is my DJ lighting. DJ yeah. lights. So I turned the ISO way down so you could kind of... Ooh, this looks sick. Oh, with the projector? Yeah. Yeah, the projector um, beams. So it would be real dark, but then when we spotlit Dolphin, we would be lit up. Let's see how dark. There you go. Uh, little production tips. A little behind the scenes. And there's the aquarium. <laughs> and now for some original music by Dolphin. It's also the theme song of this podcast, if you didn't notice. <laughs>